Most of our world has been destroyed. Civilization is in a time of great danger. Our survival requires your attention. Our survival requires your labor. Our survival requires your submission. Product must be. The product must be consumed. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Some folks have a strange idea entertainment. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. A day to weed and Give me the power I beg of you. Mortis me le devacor de me vosse. Andale porte boisse dembala. Awake! Awake! What a crock. Ade due dumbbella. Give me the power I beg of you. Klatu Varata Podcasta or uh, um, Nectu or Necti Necti by the power of Grayskull. Can I please have the power to make an episode that will make people like me? Ah, fuck it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Next Level Network recycle bin of wretchedness. This is What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And this is episode 23. And my name is Paul, and I'm a good guy, and your friend to the end. Want to play? Hi ho. Ha ha ha. Okay. It's episode 23. And this week we're talking about the movie Child's Play. But before that talk shit. That's what I'm good at. Sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, so, Waxwork Records. I haven't talked about them in a while. Uh, Waxwork Records, and I believe it's Sacred Bones Records. Um, announced this week they're releasing the vinyl recording of John Carpenter's Halloween score for the upcoming film. And Waxwork Records, I believe, has what they call the Michael Myers variant. It's like red and blue and clear and stuff. Anyways, it looks really fucking sharp. I ordered mine already. Uh, put me back about... Uh, well, it was a pretty penny for it, but whatever. I don't care. I'm just glad I'm going to own it. And uh, 
I also got uh, physical copies this week of The Brain That Wouldn't Die and Scream Factory's release of Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which actually I just watched it last night. It was, uh, it was nice to watch it again with the original music score. Uh, most of you know. If you don't, well, I'm telling you now. Uh, so apparently when um, they released the DVD uh, a few years back, whatever, uh, the musical score was changed for whatever reason, and uh, it wasn't with the director's consent either. So, they, uh, Scream Factory, the nice souls that they are, they, uh, they released the theatrical version the way it was with the original score. So there is the, uh, the variant version of the Trioxin theme in the uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. So it's nice. It's awesome. I, I'm... I watched it last night. I watched also. There's a few uh, extras on it, and whatnot. I watched a bit of them last night. Uh, primarily the um, Return of the Living Dead, like documentary featurette kind of thingy. Um, it's basically like a part two to the More Brains documentary. Um, so I watched that. It was pretty good. Uh, fuck. I, I'm just glad to own it. Like, I mean, they. The DVD version wasn't bad with the alternate music, but it wasn't it wasn't the version I remembered from when I was a kid, so it's just nice to have it back and whatnot. It was really fun watching. Even though I will say the second Return of the Living Dead is not as good as the first. In my opinion. My opinion, the first a friend of mine said to me last night, he's like, I think you have shares in this in these films. I'm like, no, I'm like this, this, this is the second one, not the first one. The first one, it's like blood. Uh, I can't live without it, um, you know, because without blood, I would look really ugly. And not that I don't already, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, so I got that. I haven't watched The Brain That Wouldn't Die yet, though. Um, I'm just happy to finally have it. I mean, I've seen, I saw it years ago, uh, but I haven't. Uh, it's been a while since I watched it, so probably uh, be my Saturday night entertainment. Um, I also watched this movie, uh, Doom Asylum, that my friend uh, Jake had been on my ass to watch for months. And, I don't know, I just, I, I could have swore I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it. Well, now I have. And um, more on that next week, because that's, not, that's, uh, that's next week's episode. <laughs> so, you guys can listen to me uh, rip this movie apart next week, because that's... Uh, um, <sighs> Yeah, it's 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 bad. Let's put it that way. It's a it's a bad movie. Um, did I love it though? That's the question. Um, speaking of bad movies, uh, this weekend, Sharknado Six, the final one. Uh, what is it? Sharknado, the last one. I think they're calling it or something like that. The final one, whatever. Uh, it airs this weekend, Sunday night on Sci Fi, which. Um, also, apparently, this week on Sci-Fi, there was some movie called Santa Jaws, and I've actually read reviews where people are like, "Oh, hey, it was uh, it wasn't as bad as we expected. It's uh, one of the best shark films Sci-Fi has released yet." Um, I personally haven't seen it yet. Unfortunately, you know, work gets in the way and whatnot, so kind of haven't seen it yet. But hopefully, I will. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to. Uh, to watch it um possibly even this morning uh i'm recording this saturday morning by the way so 
I know it's airing around 9 a.m. Eastern time, so possibly I'll catch it. I don't know. Probably not, but who, who the fuck knows? Uh, but yeah, Sharknado 6, final one, last one, guys. I'm not doing them again after this. At least not that we know of until someone comes along and says, I want to remake this. Please don't. Um, last bit I'm going to talk about quickly. There, you know, you guys are hearing the trioxin theme playing in the background. Uh, Return of the Living Dead did turn uh, 33 this past Thursday. And, uh, you know, I gotta say, um, I will obviously talk about this movie uh, a lot further in depth uh, in, in, in the coming months, obviously. I'm not going to say when, but eventually this, uh, this will be a full episode. And, um, you know, I gotta say, like, Return of the Living Dead... And I, I'm not going to take this all serious or nothing here because, you know, whatever. You don't tune into this podcast to listen to seriousness. <laughs> but um, I will say this, like, Return of the Living Dead, one of the, you know, a lot of people always say, like, what's your favorite horror movie? And that's usually the movie I throw at them. Uh, you know, as I've said in the past, I've watched it probably more than any other film. I think a lot of the reason for that, though, is because one thing that I've always loved about this film is how... Even when it's not trying to be funny, it's funny, and I have a fucked up sense of humor to begin with, so the fact that this movie still makes me laugh and chuckle, like, all these years later, like, I, I originally saw this, I think the first time I saw it was, like, I want to say, like, 1988-ish, maybe 87-ish, because um, it, it seems to me I didn't see it right away, like, well, obviously I didn't see it at the theaters. Because I'd remember that. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember when I saw the VHS for the first time. It maybe even 86, but it seems to me it was like 87, 88-ish. Trying to think about where I was living at the time. <laughs> um, but you know that movie, like it just—it's always had this way of like making me laugh when I can't, when when I don't think I can laugh. Like at, at times in my life when like life has really been shitty. I watch this movie and I laugh and I chuckle and I enjoy it and I mean I enjoy you know the bad acting of Linnea Quigley like I like it spooky like it's just it's fucking hilarious and the, the interactions between like Tom Matthews and James Cameron and you know Don Kalfa is apparently he was a fuckhead in real life but I don't know this is the things I've kind of heard but whatever I never met him so I can't really say but I mean he's awesome in the movie Clue Gulliger is awesome in the movie like the music is great and that's the other thing too like that soundtrack you know it, it influenced the music that I would you know in the direction of my life would go with music and like the musical interests that I have that was like the soundtrack that kind of changed everything for me kind of thing and so anyways I just wanted to commemorate the moment that you know the movie turned 33 this past Thursday and I normally wouldn't do this for movies unless there's a specific reason or something it's tied to. Um, for Return of the Living Dead, it's just, it's been one of those movies that's been like my saving grace. Uh, considering the fact that I have the soundtrack in more than one format, the movie in about three or four form, uh, versions and whatnot, like, I, it, it's just, it's a big part of my life and I love it. And that's all I wanted to say. Uh, more on that in the coming weeks. But now, it's time to go play with some dolls um, and to talk about a movie that Tom Holland directed. 
By the way, that's the Tom Holland, that's the director, not the Spider-Man kid. Because, you know, like, now that this kid's, like, you know, making it big as Spider-Man, his name is Tom Holland, it's like, no, 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 you're not the Tom Holland. Anyways, uh, drop a trailer, and when we come back, child's play. Okay, I'll shut up. Back in a moment. Everyone has a birthday they'll always remember. Can we open my presents now, Mommy? A good guy! I know it! Hi, <laughs> I'm Chucky. He's something, isn't he? This is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy. Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Everyone knows most accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy! I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead, Miss Barclay. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. And so has terror. Nobody believes you about Chucky. He came alive in my hand. I, I, I... Oh, for God's sake. Why won't you believe me? Because I'm sane, Mrs. Barkley. Sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. <laughs> There's nothing innocent about child's play. Newsflash, everyone. So, uh, I'm just going to tell you this quickly before we jump into child's play. So, Fangoria sent out an email to all us subscribers. That if we wanted, we could send them like a free ad to uh, post in their classifieds, the back of their magazine. Um, so someone might have sent them a request, uh, possibly me. <laughs> so you know, if you're um, if you're a subscriber to Fangoria and you get the the first issue in October, uh, look for the "What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero" ad. It might be in there. But now. Let's move on to the topic of the week. Uh, child's play. So, child's play. Um, I have a lot to talk about, actually. I have quite a bit of notes here, so we'll jump right into it. Um, November 9th, 1988, the movie was released, which means this November, coming up, 30th anniversary for child's play, which um, I actually have a joke. I'm going to tell you in a minute but uh it's directed by spider-man no um tom holland i already cracked that joke that one's boring moving on uh the <laughs> child's play was written and created by don mancini and if i remember correctly produced by david Kirshner, i think 
I didn't write that down. What the fuck is wrong with me, Paul? Um, starring. So here's kind of my joke because I was going to say starring Brad Dourif as Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. Chucky, a voodoo serial killer who transforms his soul into a good guy doll and gets stuck there for 30 fucking years. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> can you imagine being like a two and a half foot doll for 30 years? Um, yeah, well, I mean, Chucky's had himself a nice legacy, so maybe it's not something to completely bitch about, but... Uh, lots of kills. Uh, not so much in this movie, though. Uh, this movie is interesting. I, like I say, I have a lot to talk about in this. Um, but yeah, he put himself inside the doll, you know, to cheat death. And uh, yeah, sorry for you, buddy. But 30 years later, and I like I, said, I don't even think of him as Brad Dourif anymore. I think of him as Chucky. Like I, whenever I see him, like you know, like when he was in the Lord of the Rings films, <laughs> it was like, oh, there's Chucky. Um, and people were like, no, his name's Brad. No, I know him as Chucky. Um, uh, but Bronk, 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 Brock Winkless um, did the puppetry for Chucky in this movie. Um, I, don't, I don't think he did it for all of the films, but in this one specifically, uh, he was the uh, the puppeteer who worked Chucky. So, uh, so he's kind of Chucky too, but eh. seriously, you can't have Chucky without Brad Dourif's voice. Uh, Moving on to Andy Barkley was played by Alex Vincent, who pretty much Alex Vincent, it, you know, it sucks to be him too. No, it actually it doesn't, but it kind of does because Alex Vincent, what else do you know him as other than Andy Barkley? Uh, it was kind of cool that they brought him back in the later films as an, you know, an adult version of Andy, but I mean, poor dude, like, <laughs> you know, uh, you get cast as a six-year-old kid, and you're that six-year-old kid for the rest of your life. Um, but it's cool. I mean, whatever. It, fuck, at least it was, you know, something that has stood strong. I mean, Chucky movies, whether you love them or hate them, they're still around. Uh, we're getting a TV series soon. Uh, more on that in a bit. Catherine Hicks as Karen Barkley, Andy's mother. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not super familiar with Catherine Hicks films um, as a matter of fact this is probably the only one if you said to me name a movie Catherine Hicks has been in this is it uh, <laughs> this is the one I remember um, I think she's great though she she really does have that mom feel to her like you know like she'd go to the other end of the world to protect her son and whatnot she really has that feeling and um, yeah so I mean for me personally, it works, you know what I mean. She 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 definitely plays the role well. But more again, more on that. I'm talking too much about the characters. I need to just get through it. Chris Sarandon as Detective Mike Norris. Chris Sarandon is fucking awesome. Like I said, you know, big part of my like uh, early to mid teens there with all the movies he was doing: Fright Night, Nightmare Before Christmas, Child's Play. You know, uh, Princess Bride. Dude, he he's been in some iconic fucking movies. Uh, Dynamanoff was Maggie Peterson. The babysitter who Chucky said she was a bitch and got what she deserved. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, so that's who she was. She was the bitch. Uh, Tommy Swerdlow was um, Mike Norris's partner. He's kind of not that important to the movie. Moving on. Jack Colvin. I bring him up because there is kind of a part where, like, I... I'll mention it a little bit more when I'm talking about my thoughts on the movie, but he was like Andy Shrink in the mental hospital. 
Uh, I do. I have something to say about him, kind of. Uh, Raymond Oliver was uh, John, John Bishop, Dr. Death. Uh, I have something to talk about him as well. Uh, I can't pronounce this guy's last name. Fuck. You know, why do I do this to myself? Neil Guintoli? Guintoli, I think. I, I'm really sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Eddie Caputo. Not that you're listening, but if you were, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, okay, that's enough of that. I mean, there's other cast members as well, but they're not important. Especially, well, Maggie's and uh, Maggie's and Karen's boss there was played by Alan Wilder. Walter. Actually, he's kind of important because he, um, I didn't name my dog after him. I swear on my life, even though he... But fuck, he, he was a good little retail dweeb, you know, Um Working, uh, I have worked. I've worked retail jobs. I'm a working one right now, kind of currently. It sucks, um, but you know that's what some of them bosses are like. You know, fucking anal little fucking pricks. Moving on. Music by Joe Renzetti. Uh, you heard a little bit of that at the beginning there. Um, that child's play theme that plays during the credits and whatnot. I. I love the child's play music. I have the full soundtrack. I fucking love it. Uh, he, uh, I, I more brought him up because um, he did music also for Poltergeist three, Basket Case two and three, and Frankenhooker. And Frankenhooker is <laughs> Frankenhooker is something else. I fucking love that movie. Um, I'll actually be talking a little bit about something related to Frankenhooker next week. More on that next week. Um, so quickly, you know, I said I was going to do these things differently and whatever. Uh, synopsis. So the synopsis, uh, Charles Lee Ray needs to get a quick escape from cop Mike Norris. He takes his soul and buries it into the playful, seemingly good guy doll Chucky. You know, and that's something I know I'm supposed to read you the synopsis and I fucking segue right through. Um, I do wonder, though, the, the doll that he put himself in. Was its name Chucky before Charles Lee Ray went into the doll? That is something I've always wondered because he's technically controlling the doll to be a good guy doll, but as him, you know, to to fool the adults around and all that. So was the doll's name originally Chucky or was it something else? And when he put his soul into the doll, now it became Chucky. Something I was thinking about. I know you're all like... What the fuck, dude? Just move on. But anyways, continuing with the synopsis. Little does he know, a little boy by the name of Andy Barkley will be the new owner of him soon to come. Charles, or Chucky, whatever. I hate when they call him Charles. He wasn't Charles for very long. Uh, Chucky confides in Andy while he commits numerous murders. And once the adults accept Andy's story as truth, it's too late. Um... Yeah, I I gotta say one thing about this movie. This is definitely one of the better doll horror films. Because uh, <laughs> just last night, um, I watched... Okay, so I found out on Tubi TV, I was like screwing around, just browsing through it and whatnot. They have the uh, 13 Nights of Elvira, and it's the full series, all, all 13 films that she, you know, added her commentary to and whatnot. So I watched the Puppet Master one last night. Which, Puppet Master, I will talk about at some point, possibly near or far future in this podcast. But um, 
You know, those movies, and they're fun. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love the Puppet Master movies as bad as some of them are. And some of them are fucking atrocious. But I was thinking about it last night because knowing I was going into this podcast, I was kind of like paying attention to like, you know, doll animatronics and whatnot. And I got to say, like the Chucky, the Chucky movies, they hold up or I I should say child's play, even though they now refer to them as the Chucky movies. Um, But yeah, like, you know, watching that last night and, you know, of course, with Elvira's little, you know, uh, inserted commentary and whatnot, it actually made the movie a little bit more appealing to watch. Because <laughs> don't get me wrong, like I I love the Puppet Master films. I just said that, but sometimes I can find myself being easily distracted because they're just Puppet Master movies. Although from what I'm hearing, Littlest Reich, apparently people are saying it's fucking amazing. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh getting back to Child's Play though, I don't want to stray too much because I do have a lot to talk about here. Uh, so IMDb gives the movie a rating of 6.6 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic stands at a 58 out of 100. So yeah, you know, a, a five, five and a half, six, six and a half out of 10 seems to be like the consensus. I didn't look at anyone else because really I don't give a shit. Fuck off. So my thoughts. Great practical effects. That's what it... Seriously, if if there's something about a movie that I'm going to pay attention to, it's practical effects. Now, granted, there's not a lot of gore in this movie. Um, I mean, there's kills, there's blood, there's there's a, a doll, you know, <laughs> torturing and tormenting people and whatnot. He tries to strangle a cop from you know backseat and stuff like. But I mean, like all in all, a, a lot of this film is the. The idea of Chucky stalking and tormenting and trying to keep it a secret from the adult world as long as he can anyways, you know, like, and everything is from that, like, lower body perspective. And what I mean by that is, no, it's not from someone's dick, (laughs) although maybe they strapped a camera there. I don't know. Um but we a lot of the 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 um the visuals the perception we see when when we're seeing it from Chucky's point of view is at a lower lower um like height you know almost like we're seeing it like from Andy's eyes or we're seeing it from Chucky's eyes and and that's one thing that they do uh very well actually in this especially like when he's going to kill Eddie Caputo and you see like you know the the, the camera view is scurrying to the building and whatnot and so yeah, it, but again, like there's not a lot of gore in this. There's some. I mean, to be honest, most of the scariest imagery is the doll, uh, especially further in the film, like when Chucky is starting to become human and he's starting to have the look of that he's getting beat up, he gets shot, he gets you know burned alive and whatnot. Those are the scariest images, like of the doll, not so much the people. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, again, uh, quickly, the cast. Like, I mean, Chris Sarandon, like I said, wasn't I just talking about him last week? Uh, <laughs> it's last week or the week before when I was mentioning about Fright Night. And uh, But he's great in this. I love him in this. Uh, he he feels like a 1980s detective, if you, uh, it, 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 you know, if you really care what I think, which um, you're listening, so you must. Uh, <laughs> but 
he's he's really great in this. Catherine Hicks, like I said, you know, she's really good as Karen Barkley. She she makes me she makes me believe that she is Andy's mom. You know what I mean? Like, and that was one thing that was very well done, especially within the casting of Catherine Hicks and Alex Vincent, is that both of them they feel like a, a mother and son. They you know it feels believable. Like when I'm watching it, I'm like, yes, that's his mom. That's Andy's mom. Like it feels like it. They did a great job with that. And Alex Vincent is great is in both films, this one and the second one. Um, in the second one, he goes to the foster family and whatnot. But in this one, like he's great. One thing that I absolutely love about Alex Vincent being in these films is he's not annoying. He's not like Danny Pintaro in Cujo or the kid from the Babadook or um, what's the fucking kid's name? Uh, Boyle kid. Fucking, what is it? Uh, Bob Boyle from fucking House by the Cemetery or whatever it is there. Like, And that kid's like fucking annoying as shit. Um, that's one thing that I loved about Alex Vincent. He's not annoying. Like, he, he's cute. He's a cute kid. Like, I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this kid's, like, so cute in the way he's, like, he wants his, like, good guy doll and stuff. And, I mean, okay, his reaction when he gets the clothes for his birthday, um, I don't know of a kid that wouldn't react like that. I mean, unless you have, like, some six-year-old fashion diva who, you know, wants to look their hottest. But most kids at six years old, what do we want? We want our action figures. We want our video games. We wanted our toys. Um, his reaction is perfect. It's exactly how I would have expected Andy to act when he <laughs> opened the box, especially the fact that they did a great job of making it look like it was a good guy doll box. Um, by the way, one of the scariest things in this movie, that adult that's dressed up like the big Chucky doll in the show he's watching on TV, the thing of nightmares. But... <laughs> um, yeah, like, and you know, that's one thing about this movie. This is one of those, it's it's an interesting film because it's a slasher, but it's not, I, I don't know that I can call this a B movie. Um, it's very interesting. The acting is a lot better than it deserves to be in this film, honestly. Um, that, that's one thing that really stands out to me. Um, Granted, okay, yeah, major studios behind it. MGM Studios was behind it. I get it, whatever. You know, maybe it was at a better time in Hollywood when we actually wanted to produce quality films. And, I mean, there are some people that will turn around and say, you know, Child's Play, it's a killer doll. Uh, D. Snyder ha apparently mocked this movie saying, you know, if you want to kill Chucky, just step on him. Yeah, D. Snyder, go fuck yourself. Because, like, you're, you're missing the point of the film. And... Unlike other slashers, we're like, you know, the killer stock more in the open. You know, Michael Myers is stalking, you know, the babysitters, but he's out in the open. I mean, okay, the fact that general population around him doesn't notice him there. I mean, that's their own fucking fault. <laughs> you know, Jason makes it well known. He's chasing you. Freddy Krueger gets you in your fucking dreams. The, the scream killer, who whichever iteration it was for that movie, um... You know, they, they try to hide, but they don't try to hide like Chucky hides. Chucky uses his height and his stealth and his skill, and he's doing that. He's using it to his advantage. Like, he can hide in spots where someone that's the size of Michael Myers can't hide, you know? Um, and, and, and that's the one thing that I really enjoy about this film, too, is they show that Charles Lee Ray is not a stupid killer. He, he understands he's stuck in the body of a two foot tall doll or a three foot tall doll. Um, 
he's three apples tall. Yeah, like a Smurf. No, um, but he understands that he has this disadvantage. He has a height disadvantage. He's not going to be able to, you know, go chasing after people like he could if he was a five foot nine or five foot ten adult. So what does he do? He uses his cunning. He uses his stealth. He uses different ways of of getting to his his prey, his victims. Uh, one scene that always kind of fucking irked me a little with this movie is the scene when the shrink gets zapped. Uh, because <laughs> just the you know, thinking from a, a reality standpoint, which I probably shouldn't do watching a movie about a killer doll, but you have this shrink who's like, you know, full human size. He's laying on the ground and Chucky puts the fucking thing on his head. Okay, he slid it on his head like it was nothing. What would have hurt? Like, wh- why would you be so stupid to leave it on your head? Like, if Chucky put that on my head, like, first reaction is my hands are going up and pulling that thing off my head because you know what's coming next. Like, this guy is supposedly a medical shrink. He's he's a psychiatrist. He's he's educated and extremely smart. But you're too stupid enough to put your hands up and take that off your fucking head. And not to mention, Chucky is smaller. It takes him a few seconds to get over to the on switch and turn it on. So you're trying to tell me that in the three or four seconds you had, there wasn't enough time to lift your hands up and pull that off your fucking head? As far as I'm concerned, the shrink deserved to die. He can go fuck himself too. Um, him and D. Snyder can go fuck themselves. But <laughs> I don't know. It, it always That scene always struck me though because I was like, what the fuck? Like, why was he, what was he waiting for? Like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Is, you know, Chucky kind of cut him up in the leg there and like, he's in pain, but I'm sorry. Someone puts that on my fucking head. I know what's next. Like he didn't put it on my head to take a picture of me and say happy birthday with my Burger King crown. No, he's fucking, he's going to zap the shit out of me. I fucking get it. Like take that thing off your head. Um, so yeah, that scene always kind of bothered me, but whatever. I mean, Someone's got to die in this movie, right? So, and the shrink was an annoying asshole. You know, poor Andy's like, come on, Chucky's coming to kill me. Save me. And this guy's like acting like, you know, fucking Andy's a, you know, stupid delusional little brat. But whatever. Uh, Enough of that. Um, Actually, okay. So different kind of bother me. Um, The scene with uh, Chucky and John, uh, Dr. Death, whatever. The voodoo guy. Um, when when Chucky uses the voodoo doll to break John's arm and his leg, when I okay, fourteen year old me who saw this, you know, I, I I'm estimating I was about fourteen when I saw this, fourteen or fifteen when I saw it for the first time. Um, that bothered me. Um, <laughs> that sound that went with it, I was like, oh fuck! Like it, it, I I watch it now as an adult, and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's fucking cool. And I, you know, I figured, you know, breaking sticks or something, you know in the background, you know, for sound effects. I get it now, but 14-year-old me, when I saw this for the first time, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I felt it. Um, Especially, like, when the leg breaks and then John falls over on the ground. I'm like, fuck, that would hurt. Um, But, yeah, like, that scene's awesome, though. That scene really stands out nicely. And, you know, the whole... uh, you mean I'm? You're trying to tell me I'm gonna be stuck in this body? Well, fuck you! You're gonna fix it, and you know, and that's when you know he finds out that he has to put himself into Andy. Which that was the other thing too. Like this movie is very well thought out. Like you know, again for being a horror film about a killer doll, it's 
it's so well thought out and well acted and everything just flows nicely. Like the whole movie flows. Like you don't feel like any scene was forced. Um, everything just, it, it goes so nicely together and everything, it, it, it's like, beat by beat by beat by beat movies done and it's awesome um i always felt like i mean obviously when you watch it for the first time you could see that there was potential for a sequel as the sequels have gone on have they gotten more crazier and some would say lame i personally i enjoy these movies for what they are seed of chucky is probably the only one that i'm kind of so so about um, I did buy that for $2, though, in a $2 bargain bin. So I can't complain about, you know, buying it or anything like that because 2 bucks is well, whatever. Again, $1.99 more than some people would have paid for it. But I don't know. Uh, the, and that's something, too, like the whole Chucky legacy. When you, when you think about, like, this, these movies, like, you started off with the idea of just, like, you know, a killer doll. And, I mean, this this premise was nothing new. I mean, we've had movies like Dolls, uh, the Puppet Master movies. Tales from the Dark Side had the uh, killer doll. Uh, fuck, I can't remember. I, that's It's been a while since I've seen that movie. But I do remember there was the whole premise of the killer doll in one of the uh, stories on that in that film and whatnot. But, I mean, again, like I say, like, it, there's been movies with killer dolls and i mean since then we've had what uh there's robert there's annabelle there's like there's all these different ones and stuff like that it's a concept that it works well because people find dolls creepy i personally don't myself Uh, i i don't have a problem with dolls honestly like i mean yeah some of them can get a little creepy looking and whatnot especially some of the older ones but it is what it is i mean i don't really i don't know i don't get bothered by dolls that much but Anyways, uh, quickly just wanted to also mention uh, about the music. Uh, I think I already did, actually, so I'm kind of being redundant here. But the music, uh, I always felt it, the themes are really good in this. They're simplistic in their own way. At the same time, they, they help set the mood for the film. Um, I do love the end credits theme, though. The, the, the very It sounds like uh, almost like... Uh, almost like Christmas music in a way, but it's, it's not, it's got like, um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the poltergeist theme. I'm assuming most of you are, but there's the poltergeist theme where the, the girl, the little, uh, kids choir, little girls choir is like singing in the back and stuff. That's what the, the child's play theme always reminds me of is the poltergeist theme. So with that said, Let's see, I've talked about the acting, I've talked about the effects, I've talked about the music, talked about the the feeling of the movie. So, and I kind of already hinted at where I'm going with this. Um, Oh, wait, there's one thing I forgot to fucking mention. So, the scene where Mike is being attacked in the car, and, you know, like, Chucky's behind him trying to strangle him and whatnot, the music that's playing on the, the, the car radio, so this is an interesting story because this fucking song, his song is called shit. Second sight the song is called second sight. That is the music that is playing. And the music was created by David Cate and David Darling, who are two. Uh, David Darling is like a jazz composer and David Cate is a, a music co- um, like score composer. Um, so yeah, they apparently wrote this song for the movie. Try finding it. 
Okay, like this song doesn't exist. As far as fans are concerned, like we're all kind of even guessing, is this the song that's playing right here? You can't find it on YouTube. You can't find it on Spotify. You can't find a release of it any fucking where. It is... Okay, because you guys know, like, when I end my podcast off, I like to end off with a song. Most of the time, it's a song, you know, either somewhat related to the movie that I'm talking about, or it's me trolling you with some song that you're like, why the fuck would he play this? Um, And the odd time, it's a song I actually like. But I was going to play that, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to find a copy of it somewhere. It's not on the soundtrack. You search David Kattay, second sight, you can't find it. David Darling, second sight, can't find it. This song is nowhere to fucking be found. If any of you has any fucking clue where to find this song, I would greatly appreciate it. Because I know where all the rest of the songs are. I know where I can find them. Some of them I even have. Um, I'm not worried about that. That one song... And it, it's a piss off because a lot of us, like on the internet and whatnot, have been kind of guessing is this the song? Is this where it came from? We think this is the right song. Like, so yeah, I, apparently that song is nowhere to be fucking found. Now, before I give my rating on this movie, I just want to quickly touch up on a few things because this is the movie that started it all. And since then, Chucky has gone on to be a, not not just like you know a character in a horror film. He's a legacy now. Uh, what we're at eight films? Is it set? No, seven. I think it's at seven films now. See, let's see. Seed of Chucky was the fifth one. Curse Cult. Yeah, I if I'm correct, we're at seven films, unless my counting is way off, but. So seven films later, we have a TV series on the way, and then MGM are doing a remake. Now, first off, as I said earlier, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate this point, you can't have Chucky without Brad Dourif's voice. That voice is iconic with Chucky. You can't... It, it's something that made me kind of realize, I think, partially why Nightmare on Elm Street, why the remake failed. There are many reasons that will be pointed out by many different people but one of the things is is that freddy krueger we know with robert england's voice robert england's voice is synonymous with freddy now freddy obviously there's other reasons as well why you know people are non not very accepting of someone you know taking over that role but with chucky that's one thing i realized because the doll has gone through multiple different looks, whether he's had like the stitched up face, he's been burned alive, he's got the fresh new look and stuff. Like even in Cult of Chucky, he kind of looks more plastic and more more polished up and whatnot. The doll has gone through different looks. That's not where people were gonna are, are going to have a problem with a, a, a complete reboot of this. It's you can't have Chucky without Brad Dourif's voice. It's it's not going to work. Like, wait till Don Mancini is done doing 
his Chucky, his Chucky shit. I mean, his TV series, his movies and everything. And he finally says, okay, I'm walking away from the character. Let 20 years go by. Let 30 years go by. That's the thing. When, when we consider remakes, what remakes are usually the best? The ones that are coming decades later. The thing came 50 years after the original thing from another world, which even at that, it's more based on the whole who goes there uh, novella. It's not even really it, John Carpenter's. As much as it was kind of a remake of the thing from another world, is more a, a faithful adaptation of Who Goes There than anything else. Um, the Fly, The Fly is is a, is a perfect example of a remake that works. Came out what 30, 30 years later, thirty four some odd years later. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, the remake came out almost again. I well, I think it was what thirty two years later, something like that. The thing is, or 22 years later, oh, wait, 68 to 90, 22 years later. Anyways, my point is, is let a few decades go by, then do your reboots. When you guys are, when, when these studios are coming out and like A Nightmare on Elm Street, Robert Englund had only stopped playing Freddy maybe five years prior to the remake coming out. It's still fresh. People still love Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. It's not going to work. Is this a dick move by MGM? Yes, it is. It's a fucking douchey move. Don Mancini's still working with Chucky. If if you're so much, if you want such a piece of that pie, then work with him. You know what I mean? Strike up a deal and say, hey, we'll we'll take so much of the distribution off your fucking hands, and you know, let we'll get some royalties out of this, or or whatever the case may be. I, obviously, I don't know the whole fucking, you know, the whole fucking story behind it and whatnot, but. The thing is, is that a remake is not going to work. A reboot is not going to work. I'll tell you that right now. I know I tease people, you know, when they're like, well, this one won't work. I, I know it won't because unless you get some form of a deal where Brad Dourif is going to say, okay, I'll do Don Mancini's Chucky and your Chucky, it's, it, it's not going to work because... A big part of Chucky is the voice. Um, Chucky is a legend. He's a legacy now. Like it's 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 a franchise. Like it's huge. People are not going to be accepting of this remake, and that's including the people that will sit there and tell you, okay, the Child's Play movies have gotten out of hand. They're lame. They're stupid. Yeah, they are. But let's face it. You, why do we all love Chucky? Chucky, a good part of that is his attitude, his pizzazz, his voice. These are things that a remake, are they going to be able to do it the same? Probably not, not without people saying it's basic plagiarism. So, I mean, even some of the cast, I saw Bloody Disgusting posted an article. I think her, what's her name? Christina Least, I think, uh, from part two, she played, um, Andy's like uh, foster sister, so to speak, whatever. Um, she's even come out and said, you know, MGM, this is a douchey move by you guys. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it working because when you think of what Chucky has become, and Chucky has brought on new characters. I mean, we have Tiffany. We have Glenn slash Glenda. <laughs> that character kind of annoys me, but whatever. I mean, it, It's, again, it, it's craziness. Um and, you know, with Cult of Chucky, what they kind of set up, and that is going to continue into the TV series, the idea of there being multiple Chuckies. Now, maybe MGM figures they're going to cash in on that by taking one of those multiple Chuckies and 
making a series of movies based on that. I, I, I honestly don't know what the whole story is, but I just don't see it working. And, and that's my personal thoughts. My personal thoughts on the rating of the original Child's Play from 1988, this movie is fucking solid. It has been in my life since I was a teenager. Uh solid solid eight and a half out of ten for me um i love this movie i love so much about it i love the acting i love the music the effects the the suspense um does this movie scare me no did it ever scare me no but not all horror movies have to scare you there's other elements that can come into play like i said like the first time i saw that scene when the voodoo doll breaks the leg I felt that <laughs> I was like, Oh God damn, that fucking hurt. Um, and, and that's, that's horror. That's, that's another aspect of it. Um, and of course the ridiculousness of the shrink who apparently can't lift his hands and say, no, I'm not getting zapped. But, but getting past that, like who the fuck cares? It, just the whole idea of child's play, the whole idea of Chucky has been very successful. It's lasted 30 years. 30 years this November, that's uh, it's an amazing accomplishment, especially considering that you're talking about killer dolls. Puppet Master is the other series that eventually I will talk about. Um, they do things a little bit differently. There's obviously a lot more of a lower budget to the Puppet Master films. They're done differently, but they're, they're still successful. Um, that's pretty much it for uh, my thoughts and my rants on Child's Play. Um, a remake, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I really want that. I am looking forward to the TV series, though. Uh, supposedly, it's supposed to get darker, kind of like the... And that's the other thing, too. I guess I should mention that. the You know, the original Child's Play, the first film is very dark. There was not so much humor. I mean you know some of us find humor in like you know the way chucky was portrayed in some of his you know his one-liners and whatnot but i mean all in all the first film is a very dark movie uh even the second one is pretty fucking dark um my thoughts on the third one i didn't mind the third one like i'll, I'll be honest with you there I like all the Chucky movies for different reasons. Uh, there's, there's certain things like, like even seed of Chucky, which is probably the lowest on my list. Um, there are certain things I do enjoy about that film. I do find the, the ludicrous, um, situations that come up in that movie. Like, you know, even the idea of Chucky getting lucky and having sex as a adult is, you know, there's something entertaining about that. I don't know why, but you know, some folks have a strange idea of entertainment. That's me. Uh, <laughs> I watch Doom Asylum, so I can't say much. Uh, Spookies is one of my favorite movies. You see where this is going. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, eight and a half out of ten. Child's Play. Uh, this is definitely. This is a definitely. Um, this is one you own. This is one you go out and you buy. Uh, you. It's not a rental. It's not. A, I don't. I don't want to say what you do with your life, but I mean, personally, I wouldn't stream this online. This is one that I want a nice physical copy in my hand because it's a nice, solid movie. It's it's a good movie, and it's proof that horror can also be mature uh, when dealing with a killer doll. So that's my thoughts. 
That's the end of this week's episode. You may go back to your regular lives now. Yeah. All right. Anyways, where you can find the podcast? Three places. I'm only mentioning three now. Fuck the rest. Nobody pays attention anyways. You all have low tension spans and your cell phones and your toys and your gadgets. And I sound like an old man now. So, no. Uh, to find the podcast at nextlevelradioonline.com. That is where you will find it is the home of the podcast. Yes, the podcast is also on iTunes. It's on Google. It's on CastBox, Podcast Addict. Uh, if it's a podcasting app, probably somehow, some way, the podcast is there. But the home of the podcast is the Next Level Network at nextlevelradioonline.com. Facebook. So, I actually have something to say about that. Thank you, because I'm still getting more followers on there. So, whoever you are, welcome and thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, We are at 75 followers, I believe. So, I'm 25 away from 100, which, yeah, some podcasts are like, whoa, we're at 1,000, we're at 2,000. Good for you. Uh, This is me. (laughs) I'm happy with my 75 followers. Thank you. Um... My Instagram is at about 140. I'm happy with that. Thank you. I love the people that take the time out to comment, to like, to, you know, just support. And it's awesome. So thank you. And you can find me on social media at facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero or on Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. The support is wonderful. I lo- And I love that people are not afraid to talk. And I-, I hope I can get more interaction like that as time you know, moves on. I mean, this is this podcast is young. I mean, 23 episodes in. You know what I mean? And for the most part, I've been consistent. I know, like I said, I had a little breakdown there where it seemed like it was like every two weeks I was releasing episodes as opposed to weekly. But... I mean, for the most part, though, like 20, you know, 23 episodes in and it's starting to get around and people are starting to talk. And hopefully I can get that ad, you know, Fangoria and that might help, too. It's all about growth. It's all about making the podcast better. And that's what I'm trying to do. And thank you all for being a part of it. I hope you choose to stick with it. Although I'm sure next week's episode, you're all going to be like, fuck this guy. We're out of here. Yes, next week's episode will be the 1987 flick Doom Asylum. I saw this movie for the first time just recently, and I have things to say about it. So, that will be next week's episode. Uh, For those of you who do follow the Facebook page or the Instagram page, or the Instagram account, I should say, uh, I did post um, the listing for basically uh, this episode and the following three So it looks like this one will be Child's Play. Next episode will be Doom Asylum. Then we're going to go Evil Dead. I really want to talk about the movie Evil Dead. I'm talking about the first one, though, not the second one. Even though the second one is probably my favorite out of the the triple threat there. I'm going to talk about the first one. And then the following week after that was Dagon. That's right. It's Dagon because Scab Soul... I heard you a while back. You said make Dagon an episode, so I will. So, and Doom Asylum is kind of like my friend, you know, my friend Jake kind of mentioned it. So I guess it's a listener request on his behalf. So, 
that's what's coming, guys. But until then, just make sure that if you have a cricket doll, a Teddy Ruxpin, what was there? There was my buddy, my pet monster. If all of a sudden you notice their eyes are following you, or they're starting to say things like, you have a small dick, you probably should run, kill them, stab them, throw them in a, 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 a chopper, a compactor, something, because they're probably going to try and kill you. I know that sounded completely lame, but you know what? I don't fucking care. Just shut up and listen to the goddamn song that I play at the end, and then go on your very fucking ways. Because I probably don't give a shit what you think anyways. No, I'm fucking lying. Um, I do care. Everyone have yourself a great week, and next week, Doom Asylum. Until then, peace out.